Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Osborne, and today we are embarking on a journey that's nothing short of extraordinary. On January 15th, 2009, 15 years ago today, Dave Sanderson was one of the last passengers off the plane that crashed into the Hudson River, best known as the Miracle on the Hudson. Can you imagine? You're on a routine flight and suddenly it turns into a fight for survival. This was Dave's reality. But what's incredible about his story isn't just survival, it's what came after. About how a moment of crisis can become a turning point in our lives, shaping our path in ways we never expected. Today, Dave joins us to share his powerful narrative. From the terrifying moments of the crash to the calm, his story is a testament to the strength of the human spirit. But it doesn't stop there. Dave's journey of transformation, of turning adversity into opportunity and fear into courage is something that speaks to each one of us. So buckle up as we explore not just the events that made headlines around the world, but also the profound personal and professional evolution that followed. Whether you're facing your own turbulence or seeking inspiration to navigate life's unpredictable skies, this episode is for you. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast with Sean Osborne, the show helping you think bigger into your life and potential. Sean believes by equipping you with the tools, strategies, and philosophies required to be successful in all aspects of your life, you can achieve anything you believe in. Empowering our own growth makes a deeply positive and lasting impact on our lives, community, and our world. Now, here's Sean. Hey, Thinking Big listeners, this episode is brought to you by The Secrets of Success. This community is designed for individuals who seek more than just fleeting motivation and are ready to actively pursue their goals with certainty without sacrificing fulfillment. If you are not just content with liking motivational content, but are committed to becoming the change you wish to see in this world, it offers a blend of historical wisdom, practical application, and a supportive community for personal and professional growth. Just click on the link in the show notes to get more information. So thinking big tribe, thank you so much for uh, listening to us today. And I want to welcome a very, very special guest today. And that's Dave Sanderson. Thank you for being on the show today. Sean, thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to be with you today. So we met, I don't know, maybe two years ago at an event that you did with, I think it was Leah Woodford's, uh, one of her events. That's correct. Tell us a little bit about what happened because that'll that'll set things up a little bit. There you go, Sean. Thank you very much. And thank you. I appreciate that. So here's a short version. Um, I was on the, uh, the plane crash known as the Miracle on the Hudson. I was not supposed to be on the plane that day. I was scheduled to be on a later flight. We got done early with business. So I got on that earlier flight, which has turned out to be um, U.S. Airways 1549, which, which is now known as the Miracle on the Hudson. So I um, I was the last passenger off the plane, not by design, but it was just uh, turned out to be that way. And I was, not, and people ask me, uh, we'll probably get into this a little bit more, but about what really goes on inside when the plane is actually going down. And so, yeah, it was one of those things where you have to really manage your mindset. And you really have to lead yourself first before you can lead other people. But uh, fortunately for me that uh, we had a crew that got everybody down, thank goodness. And then we had another issue. We had to uh, get out of a sinking plane in 36 degree water. So I was, um, I was involved with that. And it's uh, coming up on the 15th anniversary here in a couple of weeks. Man, can you believe that's been 15 years already? Yeah, I tell you what, it's uh, we talk about this year flying by, Sean. Just 15 years has flown by. 
Wow. And talk about something that has truly changed your life. I mean, a split second changed every trajectory, you know, that I can tell from your life and what you do, uh, how you think, how you act. And so that's so you and, and you actually got into, you know, one of the things that came from that. And, and we'll talk about that is your public speaking. You know, you, you're starting to be an advocate for that and to uh, for, for many different things. But so that's two of my biggest fears yeah. <laughs> flying. Okay. <laughs> so and just like many people yeah. listening, it's like. What happened to you is like the worst thing that that's our biggest fear. Every time we go up on a plane is, okay, is this sucker going to stay, stay flying? So, so you conquered that fear pretty, pretty damn well. And then the other is you got into public speaking, which is, I think for some people, public speaking is probably scarier. Than, than, than the number one so. fear is exactly right. The number one fear is I've read over the last several years is people getting in front of an audience or a crowd of people and to have to publicly speak and state a state their story or state their opinion. But uh, yeah, I mean I appreciate that, Sean, because the most often asked question I still get after almost fifteen years is how did you get back on a plane after you went through a plane crash? And you know what? What I really realized what people are really asking me is. How did you bounce back and have the resiliency to bounce back after all that uncertainty? Because that's that's one thing you realize when you're going down in a plane is total uncertainty. You have no control, total uncertainty. You don't know how everything, anything's going to play out. So you really have to uh, manage your mindset. So it's, um, you know, it's a question I get almost every day from somebody that I run into and or, you know, picks up the, uh, sends me an email and says, how did you do it? So. I'm very honored to be able to share that. And then it turned into like you and I spoke, just spoke about is I had the opportunity to go out and speak about it, which was not my game plan. Never was my game plan, but there's a situation that happened to me that uh, all of a sudden I did it and I wasn't very good. It was actually the first time I spoke in public about this, uh, but something happened that really set me on the trajectory to do what I'm doing right now. When that happens to you, you know, in other words, when the plane's going down, do, did you... I know everything probably was in slow motion, but did the core of people come out during that time? In other words, did it bring out the core of who someone was when something like that happens? Yeah, I think that's a great distinction, Sean, because I think what happens when you get in a situation like this, maybe even a car car wreck, whatever the traumatic experience may be, you see the true essence and the identity of the person really come to, fr- to fruition. and. Well, we were very blessed, and I was very blessed to be around people who, whose values and character really stepped up uh, at that moment in time. And of course, we've seen that through the crew and the captain and the first officer. We've seen that. But the passengers, likewise, I think one of the reasons that happened, and this is a personal opinion, nobody else has you know, influenced this opinion, but it, it really came out when I had the opportunity. I, I flew to Orlando, and one of the benefits that I do get is I get to speak to the captain and first officer quite often. That's one of the things that I get to do. And and one of the captains sort of gave me, when we were in Orlando, gave me a perspective. And what he told me is this. He goes, you look around the people who get on this plane in Orlando. He said, what kind of people do you have get on this plane? I'm looking around like, well, who do you have, right? You have tourists primarily going to the parks, right, holiday, and a few business people like me. And he said, look at what kind of people were on your plane. And he just, it's a 180-degree difference. Coming out of New York, 90% business people. And business people usually can or go into the you know, go into a game plan mode, right? When something happens, we, you know, there's gotta have a strategy behind it. So I think that had a lot to do with that day's outcome. Is yes, the crew got everybody down that day and we'll be forever grateful. But the passengers, majority of the passengers were business people who were going through their mind, okay, 
what do I do if all stuff breaks loose? And what am I going to do the next step? And I think that had a lot to do with it. Yeah, I'm sure that did. Because yeah, Orlando, you look at there's probably a lot of kids on there. There's a lot of you know families, a lot of people who don't maybe necessarily fly a lot right. or or have that have that mindset. And so my first question would have been, you know, you have people that ask you questions, you know, how'd you get back on a plane? My first question was, did you at least get a voucher for the plane ride home? <laughs> Listen, from that point forward, I didn't pay for anything for U.S. Airways for a good 45 days. All right. They definitely took they definitely took care of me. They did a tremendous job of taking care of me and I'm sure of everybody else. But no, yep, most, most definitely. Listen, I was I was treated like I had to I'm going to say this like a rock star. Right. I mean, they were taking care of all of us at that point in time. And then, and then my second question was, did you get your luggage back? <laughs> That's another another question. So you know, all my luggage was lost. All I came out with, in fact, when I got to the hospital, I didn't even have any clothes. All right. I had my underwear and my watch. That's all I had left. I got some of it back. They, you know, they, when, they, when they cleaned it up, the, the river afterwards, and picked all the luggage out of the river, they, they tried to clean it as well as they possibly could. But, you know, it's been in the river. It's nasty. You can only do so much, right? You can only do so much. <laughs> I got some of it back. I would say about maybe 30% I got back, but it was pretty much unsalvageable. You know, you know I like the way that you, you, you take this, you know, what happened to you and bring it forward, because I think it is so, I think your message is so important because we all have these things happening in our life. We all have crap that just happens that we don't plan for. And how, you know, how as humans can we deal with this crap to actually come out the other side better? Look at it as a, you know, the way I look at it is the universe is always trying to tell me something. Sometimes it's with a feather. Sometimes it's with a two by four. And that plane is obviously a two by four to say, okay, uh, Dave, you need to go in a different direction. You need to do something different. How can we take these events and, and look at them from a perspective of this is a, a tool or this is a teaching for us to look at what we're doing? Thanks for that question. I, I want to answer with two different perspectives. Number one, one of the things I, 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 I talk about and I shared in my TED Talk is about the meaning you attach to something produces the emotion of your life, and emotion is your life. So whatever meaning you attach to that situation, and I'll give you an example. I was in the green room maybe at three or four weeks after the Miracle on the Hudson with some other passengers in the crew. We were in Good Morning America. We were in the green room, and one of the passengers got pretty vocal. And the first thing I thought, I was like, what's wrong with this guy, right? I mean, what's wrong with him? I mean, we survived a plane crash. We got, yeah, and we're on national TV. I mean, you know, things could be a lot worse. But then I found out later that he was going through a divorce and he just lost his job. So the meaning he attached to the plane incident was a devastation. The meaning I attached, it was a blessing. It was a blessing for me. You learn lessons out of situations if you're aware and you look back. And, you know, one of the things... I learned over the last several years is most of the time in my life previous to this, I was, it's called the gap in the game. I would look in the gap side, which means I, I'm never good enough. Well, I mean, something's going to happen. And I was always putting myself maybe in a negative mindset. What I learned is if you switch it around and say, you know what, look how much progress we've made. Look how what, what, I survived. Look what's been happening. What more can I do? All of a sudden it sets you off on a different pathway. So I think number, you know, number one, you do, you do that. But second, this is what my, my third book's about, Sean. This is exactly what this, this third book's about because my third book's coming out in January. It's called The Limitless Life. 
The first book was about the day that happened and the skills that I had to use to survive. The second book was about all the moments in my life that led up to that that helped me have the resiliency to be able to do what I did. This book's about exactly this question. What lessons can you use out of a situation to turn it around and not only impact you yourself, but more importantly, impact somebody else's life and use it to uh, a positive perspective instead of regressing and, and, and sort of getting stacked down? Because that's what happened during COVID. You look back at COVID, what happened during COVID? Well, people all of a sudden you had COVID, which means you couldn't go out of your house, you were locked down. Oh, by the way, Sean, we had uh, you know, police issues. Oh, by the way, we had social justice issues. Oh, by the way... We had an election that was going on and stacked on people. So people didn't know how the pathway to get out. So the meaning they were attaching is, man, this is, I, there's no, this, I'm never going to get out of this thing. Instead of the people who really succeeded said, okay, I've got to be resourceful, right? I've got to be, think, I have to start looking at three, there's three things people are looking at who are successful. Number one, and number one, do they have confidence to be able to get it done? That means leading yourself first. Second, do they have competence? Do they have some talent to be able to pull it off? But third is what, what set everybody, the people who really set off on a different pathway on a different level. Those number three is being creative. Those people are, were looking for people who had creative solutions to how to go get, how they go go forward out of this thing. So I, when I coach and teach people, I'm like, we work on confidence, competence, and creativity because that's what people are looking for these days. Man, there is so much gold in what you just said. And, you know, so, and also, so the three books, it's almost like a trilogy yep. because they actually go together. I mean, exactly. it's the, you know, we, the day of, yeah, exactly what we yeah did. how you got there. Yeah. So that's, uh, I can't wait to get to see that third book. And it's, and you said some, you know, one of the things you said in there was being creative about our, about what we do. And it's like, to me, it's never about the resources we have. It's about how resourceful we can that's be right. to get out of what we have. And it's like, you know, you talk about, you know, everyone's got a, you know, their own kind of plane crash that they're going through. You know, for me, I was at 15, I was on my own homeless, uh, kicked out of school, a, you know, a drug addict that was, you know, really the poster child for don't do drugs. And that was honestly the best gift I could ever have in life because that adversity is what built who I am today. And without that adversity, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be doing what I do. And it's like, so how can we take those, you know, that could have either killed me or could have made me stronger. And the same with you. I mean, it's, it's like we, we, it, and, and how we do those. So I know you talk about this in, in, in your talks and stuff on, you know, your ultimate challenges and, and what can we do when we're faced with these things? Yeah. You know, I actually wrote a blog about this subject a couple of weeks ago and, and the blog was, uh, the blog was titled, the moment that mattered the most because you know people think well maybe the plane crash was the moment that mattered the most it really wasn't it was a moment back in 1995 when i was the top sales guy and one of the largest technology companies in the country and a new manager came in and he came in i, my, I had a successful year and his first act sean he had to give me a check for sixty-four thousand dollars commission check now in 1995 $64,000 is a lot of money I mean, I, I was like, you're a ton in it, right? But Sean, he looked, when he gave me a check, he looked at me and said, you'll never make this amount of money again while I'm here. Never. And he and I almost came to blows, just that candidly, a little bit later. But I left I, where I was a, very successful. I said, I, I, I looked at, initially I looked at it as a failure. I lost. Then I said, you know what? That was actually the moment that gave me the resiliency. You know what? You know what? No one tells me I can't do something, right? No, and I pushed back. 
I tell people that was the moment because what you just said is exactly right. The reason when you were down at 15 or 16 years old and you were doing all this, that had to happen. That had to happen for you to be able to be who you are today. Because you know, it's not failure as long as you look at it from a learning perspective. You know, you learned so many lessons during that time period that now it help, help you build resilience, help you to be able to touch people the way you're touching them right now. Because one thing that I learned and what, giving a reference to Marvel movies, I don't know if you like Marvel movies. I love Marvel movies. Oh, yeah. And one of the movies that I love the most is Doctor Strange because there's a, there's a scene in Doctor Strange uh, where the ancient one is ready to go off on her. You know, she's ready to go, right? She's dying. And she looks at Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange, don't go, don't go. And she says, Stephen, you still don't get it, man. You still don't get it. This isn't about you. And I think the one thing, once you start realizing that in life, is this is not about you, it opens up so many avenues for you in your life. Because all of a sudden now you're thinking this way instead of this way. And I, so one of the things that, you know, when you were talking, when I saw you a couple of years ago, one of the things that you had, had talked about or one of the things that you had, had talked through was, you know, when the plane was actually down and, you know, you were in the water, there were people who would scramble to get off. And, and that's human nature. It's like, it's, it's do or die. It's, yeah. you know, fight or flight, yep. right? And you're, you're, I'm getting the hell off the plane, but that's not what you did. And, and that, to me, that's what stuck, uh, stood out in, in your story was you, you weren't the first off the plane. Yep. You, you didn't do that. What, explain what happened, yep. because to me, that, that is such a powerful thing. You know, my game plan, cause I played sports, right? And, and when you were in a game, you had a game plan. So my game plan, as this thing was going down, I said, if I survive, I got to have a game plan. And my game plan was aisle up out. Aisle up out. And I just kept saying that in my head because if I say it in my head low enough, it becomes automatic, right? So when I got to the aisle, it was my time to go. My game plan was to go out until I heard my mom. And my mom passed away in 1997. But when I was a child, and she probably told my sister and brother the same thing, but she said something to me that resonated right at that moment. Was, if you do the right thing, God will take care of you. And at that point, I had to make a choice. And I think that was one of the greatest gifts my mother and father gave me is they had, when I was young, this, I, I, I'm guilty of not doing this. So I'm, 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 I'm not saying my mother was smarter than I am. She made her kids make decisions and have consequences for decisions. She didn't say, you know, do this. She said, if you do this. So I had to make a choice. And instead of getting out, I climbed over the seats to go towards the back of the plane to see if anybody needed help. And yeah, people were moving pretty quick, right? Like we were just, you just mentioned, right? Things are moving fast. No one's out of sorts though. No one's losing it and pushing it people out of the way. They're very, they were you know, focused, but moving. And um, so when I, it was, it was my time, I got to the right door on 10 F and I saw a light. I'm like, okay, it's my time to get out of here. And there was no room on the wing of the, of the boat for me. So I, that's why I was inside the plane waist deep in 36 degree water for about seven minutes holding on to a lifeboat so it didn't float out in the river until I had to go. I just had to go. And that, that to me takes a level of, I don't know if it's it, courage. So some would say courage, stupidity, and yeah. <laughs> craziness. Well, my wife said I was stupid, right? So you're, you're exactly right. You're, you're, you're mimicking my wife, Sean. Why, why'd you do that, right? So that's what my wife yeah. would say. Are you an idiot? Yep. And it's, you know, but it's those things. It's, it's those decisions that we make that really, I don't know if they, I don't know if we make those decisions because of who we are or that helps make who we are because of the decisions we make. I think it's both ways. Yeah. I, th I think it goes both. You know, you said something a moment ago and, you know, one of the things I teach and talk about is there's really two critical skills that a leader has to have. First is the one you just, we talked about a little earlier, resourcefulness. That's it. 
You got to be resourceful. But the second thing is you got to be able to make a decision and go. And most people will not make decisions. I'm like in sales, right? No, they'd rather put off the decision to make a, a decision because they may be wrong. A leader will make a decision and live with the consequences one way or the other, right? So yep. I learned that years ago from my mentor, Bill, and then being around my next mentor, Tony Robbins, when I was with him you know, as a security director for 10 years, he would always make a decision. He'd always implore me to make a decision, right? Make the call. And Kenley, Sean, sometimes I made the wrong call. But what do you do when you have that, you know, make the wrong call? You learn from it. Yep. That's why. So I think when I had to make that decision, the decision was like, okay, I can either go or help. Right now, I'm alive. I know I'm alive. I know anybody else back there was alive, right? I didn't. So I said, okay, I'll go back and check it out, right? Just check it out. You know, that's how that played out. Some of what I do is open water swimming. Yeah, me too. And I can't even imagine getting in that cold of water. That's not like, you know, the, the whole new craze is getting in this cold plunge. <laughs> what do you think about the, you're like, you probably cringe whenever you see those commercials for like a cold plunge, like, man. Well, you know, I do cryotherapy <laughs> now. You know, so I put my body in negative 235, three, you know, three minutes, but I do open water swimming too with the Navy SEALs and special ops, right? I know exactly what you're talking about. You dive in that water. I mean, I just sw swim with special ops out in San Diego and Coronado Bay. It's you know, 65 degree water, which sounds warm. Mm -mm. Uh, no, this was 36 <laughs> no. degree water. So I can't even imagine. And that's that. why the EMTs always said, they said I, I don't know. I don't know how you survived except for adrenaline. And I think that's exactly what it was. Just adrenaline. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to go back to this part of your story is I don't think people realize how cold 36 degree water is. And you, by helping others, you, you a hundred percent put your, your life on the line because of that. And it's not because of the plane crash. It's not, it's that water will kill you very quickly at that temperature. You will go into hypothermia. You will. So putting yourself in that situation, especially when you were already in it, it's like, it's one thing to say, yeah, I will help people out. It's another thing to say, yeah, I'm going to stay and help people out when you're halfway in, you know, 36 degree water and it's, it's literally killing you and, and to continue to do that. How did you finally get to the boat? Because I cannot imagine even when you're that cold, even you can't move your body. Well, you know, what happened was, you know, about five to six minutes into this on hanging out the door, I felt the plane shift. And I didn't know what happened until later. I found out later because I get, I, you know, I talked to some of the people, the first responders that sort of told me the story that uh, one of the tugboats that was part of the rescue, as he was backing out, he hit the front of the plane. And I felt water go up my back. That was the first time, Sean, I felt the water because I was like, go, 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 right? But when I felt that thing go up my back, I'm like, I got, I mean, this is, I'm got i going to get out of here because this thing's going down, right? And that's why I jumped in and swam to the closest boat that I could find. And it was about 15 yards. And I said, tell people, it's the longest 15-yard swim because that wing is about 15 yards long. And that's yep. how I swam right next and started right next to the wing because in case something happened, I at least tried to grab something, right? So I swam next to the wing and I got there and now I'm bobbing in the water, right? I'm holding a bob in the water and I climb. And I yelled up can't, and then I heard my mom again because the word she hated most of life was can't. So I, she would never let her kids say can't in the house. That, that word was verboten. Would never say. But then somebody, fortunately, that's when people show up, right? When other people show up when you need help. Because I've been yeah. now, I, now I've been in head deep water for now a couple minutes, right? And these two guys basically grabbed my arms and pulled me on the ferry. And that's, uh, that's how I got off the plane and at least the part safety. Man, I, I just, I, I, 
when I when I talk with people, I try putting myself in their situation to, uh, you know, feel the empathy or feel you know feel what was going through you know you at the time. It's like this is one of those times that I literally cannot even put myself in that situation because it is such a. I, I don't know what I would do. I, I hope I would do the right thing, but until you know, until it happens, it's like, man, my instincts could take over, and I could be one that said, you know what, I'm out. See you. Well, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said it because you know, I look. I, I've had some people. In fact, I spoke with one of the passengers. We did a you know two person talk, and he was one of the first passengers out, right? And but you know, I didn't judge him because he had to do what he had to do, right? And I think that's yeah. what happens in a situation. You got to do what you got to do, right? And some people, you know, the mind, okay. I was told I got to get out of the plane this way. I'm getting out of the plane this way, right? Yeah. And that's fine. I don't think I would have been judged any differently if I did. I just got out of the plane. But, you know, I just I just had a different perspective. I mean, you know, I grew up, you know, in a, in a, in a small town where everybody took care of everybody. I mean, nowadays I live in a bigger city and that's not the way it is now these days. No. Not the way it is. Yeah, unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. But, you know, you just you – know, your neighbors were to look after you. I mean, you could go out like, you know, when I was a kid, you go out until dinner time and parents never know who you are, right? Yeah. Yep. And, you know, you need to think about it. Now I won't let my kids down the street. You know? Nope. That's a and that that that's a that's a whole nother episode, man. But that is a sad a, a sad thing that we we have, I think, right now from our culture standpoint of yeah, it's like I wouldn't let my, you know, I've got a, a granddaughter that's 12 and I would not let her I won't even let her go play in the front yard. Yeah. I mean, you you know you don't know now. That's right. I mean, it's just uh, you know we're we're living in that type of society, and yeah, that's that's a bad thing. And and who knows what will happen if something like this happens in ten years with the society that we're in? What will happen with the people? You know, hopefully there would be people that would you know that would you know stand up and, and do the right thing. But God, you never know. You, you never know. No, but I think on that plane, everybody was helping everybody that day. I think everybody was. I tell one of the, one of the First blogs I ever wrote, Sean, was you got to be your fir- own first responder, right? You got you, it's like, like they tell you on the plane, right? Put your put your mask on first before you put it on somebody else. Okay, yeah. get yourself together so you can help somebody else. I think that's exactly people were helping everybody that day. I think all leaders stepped up that day on that plane, and that's a good thing, you know, because my my first thought would be that it would have been complete chaos, and it would have been complete like people punching scratching trying to get to the door and and to see that that's not really what happened that people actually cared for one another and you know whether you're first off or last off you you did what you needed to do for everyone to to make it out so that's that's that is fantastic so what is what's one thing that you know we can do right now to start to you know face with you know our ultimate challenges you know what, what's something that we can do yeah one of the things that i and i when i coach people one of the things we i, I we work hard on is you got to work on yourself first, right? And which, you know, one of the things that I was very blessed to do back in the late '80s with my mentor, he implored me. In fact, I mean, he was he was he was very adamant that you got to invest in yourself every year. So he he started me doing a personal development you know budget every year. And I every year I put together a budget where I'm going to spend time on myself because you got to work on your own mindset first. The second thing you got to do is you got to put yourself in the appropriate state state of mind or state management, what I call, right? And you know, and you can do that very easily. You can change the way you you perceive things very quickly just by the way you either move your body, what you focus on, or what how you talk to yourself. So these are the things that you, you can do yourself, so you can make sure that you're in the proper state to be able to help somebody else. 
So you can help them be able to be a better person and get their outcomes likewise. So I would say those two things right there that I would probably uh, start with. Yeah. And that's why I teach, you know, uh, mindset development and personal development is because that is one of, and it's the last thing that people think that they need, but it's the first thing that, that, that they actually need. Well, Sean, I mean, mean, if you look at my, uh, I was very blessed on my book from turmoil to triumph, my second book, I was very blessed that Tony Robbins was very kind to give me a testimonial for the book. And on the cover of the book, it's his basic basic essence is a mentor is essential to be who you are because he, he, he talks in his testimonial in my book that, if it wasn't for Jim Rohn, he wasn't Tony, you know, Tony Robbins. But the right. reason he did that was, and, and Jim Rohn told him and taught him is because he wanted Tony to help other people. And that's yep. why I, he, I, he does what he does. And that's what I do what I do. And that's what you do what you do is because we have, if you don't invest in yourself and have somebody else give you perspectives, you know, you're not able to impact somebody else's life. Because the last thing, and I, you know, you know, last thing I say when I speak is I just, I implore people, be a mentor and get a mentor. Just those two things, and watch how your life will take take a different direction. Yeah, that simple statement has huge, huge meaning, yeah. and it's and it's absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have a mentor uh, and you're not mentoring others, you're not growing. Yeah. It's, it, it's and to me, it's it's that old saying. You know, you're either at the dinner table or you're on the menu. Yep. You're either growing or you're dying. <laughs> right. <laughs> there, there, there's there's no other way. So again, thank you so much for uh, for being on the show, Dave. It's uh, it's so nice to be able to uh, sit down with you one on one and talk. And for those listening right now, uh, you can reach Dave at davesandersonspeaks.com. dot uh, com. That's your website. You got tons of stuff up there. I will also put that obviously in the show notes for people to go to. You've got a ton of good stuff up there. One, you know, you've obviously your speaking stuff and all of your stuff that you do for speaking, but you've got your books up there. You've got courses up there. Uh, you've got some great resources for people to go up there and take a look at. Well, thank you. I, uh, you know, one of the things we're, for the next, over the next year, what we're really focused on is I've been getting people coming for so long is, you know, why don't you do workshops? Why don't you teach people this in a different way? So, you know, I'll just leave, I'll leave you with one last story is uh, in 1983, when I graduated from college, my dad gave me 30 days to be out of the house, all right? And I tell people one of the greatest lessons my dad taught me, Sean, was he's a man of his word. Because in 30 days, I wasn't out. He got me my first job, which was a second assistant restaurant manager place called Howard Johnson. And which means, you know, you're a low man on the totem pole. Third stop was here in Charlotte. So you're not working first shift, man. You're, you're working graveyard, second shift in graveyard. But that turned out to be yep. a blessing for me because what happened, this is this is why I'm, I want to share this story because this is the importance of it and why I implore people I'm doing, will be doing what I'm doing. Is a gentleman by the name of Bill and her, he was 77 years old and his wife's name was Bonnie and they would come in every night for ice cream and coffee. We talk and talk. And there came a time when I started dating my future fiance and I didn't have any money. So he gave me a couple, he said, here, take your girl out on me, Right. He gave me a couple of movie passes, and I took my wife out to Queens Park you know, down here in Charlotte, right? My future wife, Queens Park, gave the tickets to this young man, Sean. He said, tell Mr. Bill, hey. All right, right? So go to the movies. The next day I see Bill. He goes, "How? tell me about your experience. He goes, so some guy told me to tell you, hey. He goes, yeah, because I own that movie theater. In fact, I own, have had owned over 80 movie theaters and restaurants in the Carolinas over the last you know, so, so, so many years. It's like, whoa. So this guy is a guy who's been there, done that, right? Fast yep. forward to uh, December 24th, 19, uh, 1984. He comes to the restaurant early, and he said, I want to show you what I got Bonnie for Christmas. It was a brand-new blue Corvette. 
Now, Sean, I'd never seen a Corvette. I couldn't spell Corvette. I never smelled a Corvette. But it's the coolest thing I ever saw, man, right? He said, so let's take a ride. He threw me the keys. We went up and down Woodlawn Road here in Charlotte. Came back. I gave the keys back. I said, Bonnie's going to dig this, man. He goes, you need one of these. I said, Bill, I'm making $13,000 a year. I can barely afford to pay my rent. He goes, that's your problem. He said, you're mine. So let me show you how to be successful. And for 13 years, Sean, he gave me these lessons on how to be successful, which I shared one of them, right? Invest in yourself first, right? Fast forward to May of 1997. He invited me to his office. He said, I want to share a couple of things. First thing, I've got lung cancer. Now, Bill smoked unfiltered camels since the 20s. So, (laughs) you know, it's it's sad, but, you know, it is what it is. But then he went over to his desk, Sean, and pulled out some papers. He sat right next to me right here and put them on my lap. I said, what is this? He goes, these were the handwritten notes I I wrote down in 1929 and how I was going to be successful. I want to give this to you. But you got to promise me one thing. I said, well, he goes, do not let it die with you. He passed away September of that year. So what we were just talking about a moment ago, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is why I'm going to be doing workshops and educating people. Because I, for many years, Sean, I didn't fulfill that promise. And like I just told you a few minutes ago, my dad told me, my word is my bond, right? And I failed that. I'm not going to fail it again. So if anybody has any, would like to you know, learn some of these uh, ideas, thoughts you know, that I've been able to be able to use and help other people, go to my website and we're going to be doing some public workshops here coming up in the next couple of months to sort of start sharing this in a more public way. That is fantastic, Dave. I will definitely go check yes. that out myself. And I, and I, you know, you you said some some big things in there before we before we sign off. Is one, you took the time to sit down with someone to get to know them, and to me, that's one of the biggest things. People who are, we'll just say successful, but let, let's say people who are on their game, whatever success means to you, uh, they are more than willing to normally help us yep. if we take the time to ask. And get to know them. Yeah, just ask. And had you, yeah, yeah. And had you not, had you yeah. not taken the time to sit down with him, you would never have what you have. Never would have known who he was, right? Yeah. And man, he was a he was. I got I, I call him the Sam Walton of Charlotte because he wore a flannel shirt and drove a pickup truck, and so you never wouldn't even think of this, right? And all of a sudden, you figure this guy has been doing this for sixty years, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously he's figured something out that I have figured out. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on, Dave. I can't wait to go uh, look at those because I think to me that is as we get older to me as as humans, we are trying to replicate. I mean, that's that's as humans, we're trying and when we're younger, it's with children. But I think as we get older, it's with our knowledge and having that live on, you know, that be the legacy. Right. So, again, yeah, thank you so much for for being on the show. And I can't wait for this episode to come out because this is such a big story. Uh, and such a, a great story. So again, thank you so much. Thank you, Sean, for having me.